Northern Duke showing his Delburn roots, the country music capital of the world. I don't know if it is. Country big down there, Duke? Uh, yeah, yeah, Kevin. And yeah, Ooh. I got I got to mix in a few uh, yeah. a few country songs throughout each morning just to just to keep myself grounded. You know, oh. I don't want to lose touch with my like no. you said my roots. Um, see, I'm a I'm an older country guy. I like the old guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Merle Haggard, and, uh, Keith Whitley, probably one of my all time favorites. He would uh, definitely classify as one of my uh, all time favorites as well. Yeah, yeah. Get Silver Wings going in the uh, garage on a Saturday. You can't beat it. Um, we wanted to mention our, uh, the uh, initiative that uh, Sports 1440s kind of hooked up with Sports Central. Uh, this month, uh, it's our bike drive, and pretty good start. 151 bikes were donated on the weekend. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, we're trying to get 1,000. So I think we're trying to get Janet Tominick on from Sports Central a bit later to talk about this initiative. So a pretty cool thing. Get the kids a, a bike. The Sports Central technicians i guess just do a wonderful job so we'll try to get jana on a little bit later this morning uh text line open 1-833-401-1440 uh the duke was uh, fired up for nfl tons of fantasy implications tons of fantasy teams you got going so first of all that cowboys defense in our league almost 50 points last night that's insane yeah, depending on like your your format and stuff, I've seen everything from yeah 30, 35 points up to like you said close to fifty in some some situations. I mean, you get a shutout, you score a, score a touchdown, and and I know some leagues differ now where you draft the defense and it includes their special teams as well, which would have included another another touchdown last night or just the defense. You get the one TD and the shutout uh, all the same. But yeah, there, like there was uh, there was guys that that was the difference maker. I mean, when you can have your defense put up thirty plus points, yeah, you're pretty hard pressed to lose a game lose a matchup that way in our league the uh, Cowboys defense scored 49 points two defensive touchdowns so we call special teams as you said same thing uh, two interceptions and seven sacks and uh, I I didn't watch the game because I was driving home from Saskatchewan and I listened to the game and just listening to it was you just felt that the Giants were like I mean I don't even know how the Daniel Jones still in the game for one thing just getting pounded uh, even a guy like like Jason Strudwick, we all know how big of a Giants fan he is. He's just got to be devastated this morning. Devastated. 40 to nothing, Cowboys over the Giants. So the seven sacks, and there was probably about, I think, two two more at least where the sack was taken away because of a penalty. So I think Daniel Jones would be just barely getting out of bed today. But yeah, you know what? Uh, Lorianne Munzer mentioned it. Uh, John Warrow from Associated Press mentioned it. It's kind of like overreaction Monday all the time, isn't it? Oh, and always. We yeah. always first, see first Monday of the season. It's yeah. everybody's uh, already ready to throw the the baby out with the bathwater, as the as the expression goes. And it's just one game in, so you gotta you keep a level head. Regard like if you're strutty and you're a Giants fan, forty um, nothing is a pretty tough one to, to you know bury the game film on. But you gotta try and do it all the same. I think if you were, I talked to a buddy last night just driving home and he said watching the games, the full docket of games yesterday, there wasn't a lot of great games, but that Miami Chargers game was, you know, it probably might be one of the best games we watch all year. Were you able to keep an eye on that one? Yeah, so the program that I used to watch my NFL Sundays, I can kind of do the split screen thing and I'm fortunate enough, the uh, friend that I, I rent a room off of, we got a, the 
biggest basically TV you can buy down in the basement with the whole home theater thing. So, you know, one screen, mm-hmm. kind of four, basically four regular size TVs all at once on one screen, red zone, and then three games of my choosing. And of course, in support of my good friend, Connor Halley, as well as a <laughs> vested interest in my own fantasy team, the Chargers and Dolphins were were high priority. So I think from now on, moving forward, we just, we, when we bring up Connor Halley, it just can't be Connor Halley. It has to be former Ross Shep T-Bird wide receiver, <laughs> Connor Halley. Yeah, we confirmed that with him after yes. uh, we had his uh, old head coach on <laughs> on Friday. Then every every position you said, you're like, this is where I could see Connor yeah. playing. And you said the one that you couldn't see him playing was wide receiver, but that is in fact where he lined up uh, on the offense. Well, he, Eddie Steele brought in a dozen donuts from Tim Hortons on Friday. He dropped one out of the box. <laughs> then he, he kind of misplaced his coffee and kind of almost knocked his coffee over coming in to the control room here. So I just can't see the the hands. But you, I'm going to go, I'm going to get, I'm going to talk to Brian Buczynski because I know him at Ross Shepard. I'm going to get him to recollect of this young standout receiver for the, <laughs> For the T-Birds. Text line 1-833-401-1440. Got a lot of them coming in right now. Um, uh, the sacks, my goodness. Danny Dimes should have to be put into witness protection program. Uh, that's Mike from uh, Vagreville. Uh, a really important one. Uh, no name. Put a name to it if you can. Where can I drop off a bike as we were talking about our uh, bike drive? So there's four places where you can drop them off. United Sport and Cycle on Gateway, Revolution Cycle, Bonnie Dune Shopping Centre, and Londonderry Mall. And they'll be collecting them every Saturday in September. So starting uh, the 16th, 23rd, and the 30th. And we sure would like to get about 1,000 new and gently used bikes. You can also donate some money if you so choose, but uh, we'd like to get up to 1,000. And then again, the technicians can work on them all all winter and then uh, have them ready for the kids in the spring. Uh, Rockford, there you go. I'm no stranger to the rain. The greatest Keith Whitley tune. Um, there are, I mean, Keith Whitley was, he passed away a long time ago. Uh, used to be married to Lori Morgan, I believe. Um, but Keith Whitley had some dandies. I mean, he's got an album, well, it was an album years ago called Kentucky Bluebird. If you ever get a chance to pick that one up, it was one of the best ones going. Uh, <laughs> this is not Calgary, no country music from Lalo. So, but some guys, you know, the country music, it just gets to you. Come on. It's, it's solid. So, um, at nine twenty, we'll talk to Stephen Ellis prospect analysis for daily Faceoff. Now you were saying that you kind of did a little research on this dude and he watches more hockey, more film than pretty well anyone out there. Yeah. Like I, I had the chance to, to kind of, see him in action a lot uh, he does a lot of work with jason Greger on some of uh, his daily face-off writings and interactions and stuff and yeah this guy knows every team inside and out uh, every prospect like this past summer's draft he pretty much had a report on every guy that went hmm. the whole the whole weekend not just in the first round or not even in the first couple rounds like deep deep into the draft he his he's watched game taping so if anybody has questions for steven maybe about a specific oilers prospect yeah. or other ones please send us a text one 1440 because i guarantee he will have an answer on it regardless of how uh, maybe deep in the pipeline you're looking at a guy Texter Delburn Dave must be a buddy of yours from Red Deer. Uh, fins up, go fins go. So that game, back and forth. It was almost last possession wins. It might have been. Was it last possession? I can't well, the Chargers remember. had the ball at the yeah. end, but they yeah they couldn't get anything done. Yeah. So uh, Tyreek Hill had over two hundred yards receiving. Uh, 
Jalen Waddle probably had a quiet day only because, I mean, there's only so many balls to go around. And when Hill has a couple hundred yards, someone's not going to be getting the ball. Tua uh, Tunga Viola had over 400 yards passing. He had, uh, just by listening again, this was kind of cool. It was one of the few times I never wasn't able to watch any NFL yesterday. Just listen to games going back and forth. But that game, when you watched it, did you see, do you think that Tua has the ability with, if he stays healthy, is he a top five quarterback fantasy? Uh, yeah. Oh, when you, when you have weapons like that run down the list, Tyree killed Jalen Waddle, and even the, their tight end Durham Smythe, he had a great day yesterday. Braxton Barrios, a couple of great catches. Like the weapons are around him. They, the run game was virtually non-existent. Uh, and so he's not like a huge rush threat. And I think the dolphins are trying to keep it that way because of his uh, injury history. But you know, he's, he's got this new helmet. He's been getting stronger, improving his neck mm-hmm. muscles, even to try and help prevent some more, uh, some more brain injuries and whatnot. But so top five, I don't know. It's tough to edge out some of these guys that yeah. are real dual threats. Um, even newcomer, Anthony Richardson had a, had a pretty great day yesterday for the Colts in a losing mm-hmm. effort. So Top five fantasy, I'm not sure, but in terms of actual just play level and, and stepping outside of the fantasy realm with the just NFL in general, the Dolphins are an, ex, an exciting team and, and their defense still has a long way to go when Jalen Ramsey's back in the lineup. So keep an eye on the Dolphins. They're no slouches. Well, he was one of the best yesterday. 466 yards. That's the fourth most passing yards in a season opening game in NFL history. Uh, the three ahead of them, Norm Van Brocklin, Hall of Famer, 554 yards in 1951. Tom Brady, 517 yards in 2011. And Dan Marino, 473 yards in 1994. Um, he had, uh, if you remember last year, he had a, a big game in week number two. Had six touchdown passes last year. So, I mean, <laughs> those, those are video game numbers. He's he's exciting and it's it. Some people really wrote him off pretty early after. I mean, he he was a stalwart in college at Alabama. You know, coming in and in relief to win a national championship, spelling off Jalen Hurts, who would then move on to Oklahoma and is now come into his own in his own right. So it's he he's a really fun player to watch and somebody. It's not very often you see left-handed quarterbacks anymore, yeah. but him being one, it almost kind of provides a little extra flair to watching him play quarterback when he's uh, when he's a southpaw slinging it. If you got any NFL text, send them our way at 1-833-401-1440. 1-833-401-1440. I was kind of keeping an eye on the Rams-Seahawks game. Probably maybe one of the bigger upset when you cover the line like that. Uh, Look at the line, not cover, but um, 30-13. Seattle was favored to win this one quite easily, especially with Cooper Cup out. Matthew Stafford had a heck of a game protecting the ball. Didn't, you know, he didn't throw any touchdown passes, but he threw it to a couple guys that no one's even heard of. But you've heard of them, Duke, haven't you? You've heard of these two young receivers in L.A. with the Rams. Yeah, well, Tutu Atwell, for sure, he's been there a couple years now and has kind of carved out a nice depth role and and certainly will get some more looks while... Cooper Cup remains out. But this this other guy, Puka Puka Nakua, a bit of an unknown, I think, to probably a lot of people, not just not just myself. Um, coming in, he played college at 
Washington, terrific program down there. So uh, it's, uh, and, and BYU as well. He transferred there, excuse me. So, I mean, an unknown and, and probably I would think maybe a pretty popular waiver wire pick up here at the start of this week with still some uncertainty around just how long Cooper Cup's going to be out. Um, the Rams are going to need to get creative because they, they sold the farm for a couple years in a row. And I mean, flags fly forever. They won the Super Bowl. They, they accomplished what they set out to, but there might be some, uh, some rough years in between here before getting themselves back to total relevance. Uh, but in the meantime, as soon as you can have like unknowns like this, uh, this young Nakua step up, that's always a positive. And like you said, Matt Stafford protecting the ball. Run game was working well. Uh, the Rams really surprised the Seahawks. I know there's a lot of Seahawks fans over here in Western Canada, mm-hmm. including our own uh, producer, Brad Slater, a big yes. Seahawks guy. Slats. So, yeah, I'm sure he was a little <laughs> disappointed, but uh, you got to give credit where credit's due, and the Rams played a great game. Uh, the other um, quarterback that really stood out to me, and if you talk to any coach, any coach, the first thing they say, just they don't want to see the quarterback turn the ball over. Protect the ball. Don't turn it over. You know, limit your your interceptions. Don't fumble. And who's been doing that quite well is Brock Purdy. Now, if Brock Purdy can stay healthy, do what he did yesterday, nothing, you know, threw a couple TD passes to Brandon Ayuk, threw for over 200 yards. Uh, I believe he had a fumble, but he didn't have an interception. Had a solid quarterback rating. He's the first uh, NFL quarterback in history to win each of his first six career regular season starts uh, and throw at least two touchdown passes in each start. So, I mean, there's a guy that if he stays healthy with all those weapons can maybe lead the Niners to the NFC Championship. And we know it's not going to be against the Giants, Treddy, after last night. Boy, that was bad. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, Stephen Ellis, prospect analysis for Daily Faceoff. We will check in with Stephen when we come back on the Kevin Carrier Show with the Duke on Sports 1440. Coming up on 920 on the Kevin Carrier Show with the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas. Um, text line is one 1440 This one came into another text line that I've got. Uh, you sound sexy. Wow, I don't know if you... I don't even know why that would come in, but it's just, I don't even know why I said it. Is that one coming from your wife? (laughs) No, I I don't even want to say who it's coming from, but but bad, bad, man. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Coming up on 920 here. Let's bring in uh, Stephen Ellis. Now, prospect analysis for Daily Faceoff. Morning, Stephen. How's it going, big guy? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Oh, really well, really well. So you must be fairly excited to get the uh, hockey season going because... You've put in a lot of work in the last uh, few months, probably even right before the draft and everything, to get all this analysis going. What goes in? How much work do you put in? What goes into it to where you come out with uh, your rankings, your ratings, and all the analytical and analysis moving forward? Well, it feels like the hockey season never really ends. Like we've had a ton, ton of tournaments with the prospect tournaments coming up this weekend, so hockey never goes away. So. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of it's just kind of taking notes and taking as many thorough notes as possible. Um, kind of making like here's a game by game notes of all the players I watch, and then I'll talk to scouts, I'll talk to GMs, I'll talk to other people to kind of get their thoughts, and then they kind of goes to to put them there. And uh, it, it takes way too much time to put these rankings together. I don't wish that upon anybody. And then when you put it out, it's terrifying. You're like, did I miss somebody? Did I? Am I overvaluing this guy? It's kind of just, you got to get to the point of when you publish it, you just go, okay, it's there. 
Let's so, see what happens. Yeah. So when you gather all this information, you, you, I imagine you're watching tons of film, tons of game tape. Um, are you even able, do you have time to watch these young kids in person if you can? How does that work? I probably, I want to say last year I went to close to 120 hockey games. Um, around all levels of hockey. So, yeah, like I, like you just kind of in a given week sometimes will be NHL game, AHL game, OHL, Junior A, uh, sometimes U16 hockey for the OHL draft out here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of all over the place. I prefer, obviously, much seeing P players in person. How do you manage that? Where do you go? Like, do you have kind of a, an area where you can concentrate on because that's where the games are? It's it's kind of nice being close to so many OHL teams where you're like, okay, these guys will be um, easy to see. Like, okay, I know this team has three home games this weekend, and they're all got all these guys, and you try to make them to all of them. So that helps. Come based in the the GTA outside of Toronto. Um, I, it's a little harder to get to like the WHL and then the QMJHL and any games like that. But I'll drive across the border to go watch college games, USHL games, things like that. So it's it's. It's nice being in Toronto, but it's almost mm-hmm. like if I had to give a, a, a spot that's the best for watching prospects, it's probably the Detroit area. Because mm. not only do you have the Red Wings and Grand Rapids not too far, but you've got the University of Michigan, you've got the U.S. National Development Team, which faces a lot of USHL teams. Uh, so you kind of get everything in that, that kind of small area. And you got the honey baked program. You've got, it goes all the way down in Detroit. It's a, it's a massive hockey hotbed. It is, and in Minnesota is another good one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, you look at that with all how big high school hockey is there. But when you look at just, like, I love going to Michigan. Also, the pizza is just fantastic. <laughs> Detroit style pizza rocks. <laughs> Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff Prospect Analysis is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. If you've got a text uh, for him, a uh, question eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Through all your findings, your rankings, your analysis. Can you safely say there's one or two or three organizations in the NHL that have a little bit better of a prospect um, stable than others? For sure. Like, even if you take Connor Bedard out of Chicago, you've got Kevin Korchinski, Oliver Moore, uh, Adam Gayon, uh, Reichel, Frank Nazar. Like, that group is unbelievably talented. Uh, Buffalo, just a team that continues to get great picks. And I'll be at the, the Buffalo Prospect Tournament getting the chance to see guys like Zach Benson and Matt Savoy. Those guys, mm-hmm. like, that team is just going to be downright dangerous very soon and I really like Anaheim that's one of the few teams that has a lot of depth at every single position um, that's hard to have but you've got Leo Carlson going number two this year Pavel Menchenkov and Owen Zellweger uh, two of the best defensemen in the CHL this past year and then uh, you actually got a goalie this year in Lucas Dostal who could end up being the starting goalie at some point in the next two years so it's a really strong group there but those are the three that kind of stand out the most. When you have Connor Bedard in Chicago, um, does he tilt the scales that much? You know, to to the Hawks being number one with what they've got coming. I think that it literally came down to when I was doing my recent rankings for Daily Faceoff. I it was like Buffalo number one was my first option, and then it's like you know what now, just the Bedard factor alone is going to change that franchise. So I had to put them there. You take Bedard out, he's still they're still a number their top three team. They're one hundred percent there just because you've got so many guys that could be top six centermen, so many guys that could be top six forwards, one of the best defensive prospects in the game, and Kevin Korchinski. So it's it, you know I guess it pays to be a bad hockey team. Our guest on the Kevin Carey Show is Stephen Ellis, Daily Faceoff, Prospects Analysis. I think everyone in Edmonton 
Stephen would like to know where you rank the Edmonton Oilers. So can you kind of run us through where you think the Oilers uh, prospect pool is? I don't think it'll come as any surprise that they're one of the worst prospect pools in the league. But again, yeah. that's expected when you've when you're kind of going all in on, on the group you have here. But uh, I have them at number 25 in the league. Um, you got Raphael Lavoie, Petrov, Borgo are three of the guys that I really like on that team. But it just there's not a ton of depth in that group. That's kind of the problem there. Where a couple of the high end guy, or it's sorry, I can't even say there's a high end guy, but a couple of the guys that could be impact players, maybe bottom six. Um, those are good. Uh, I do like Boakey. I thought he was a really good pick at number 56. I think that he kind of got overshadowed by Brant Clark last year for the Barry Colts, but without him this year, I think Aiki could be one of the more improved prospects in the league this year. Um, after that, there's really not a lot that I'm getting too excited about. Um, so uh, Tyler Tulio is a guy that I've watched kind of play mm-hmm since he was about 13, 14 in the, in the area around here. And I think he'll be maybe a, a, a decent decision-making guy um, that you throw in as a third or fourth line guy, but I don't think the offensive potential is there. So, yeah, this is kind of where you would expect this team to be in their contention window. What's your criteria? How do you – is there a certain age? Like, let, let's look – let's use Raphael Lavoie, for instance. Um uh, he's an interesting subject when it comes to the Oilers because of his situation moving forward. But how how do you where where is he where is a a prospect differ from you as age uh, experience etc. How do how do you come up with your rankings? It's a mix of a, a bunch of things, and sometimes I take a bit of liberty. Like Joseph Wool is twenty four on Toronto. He's not typically considered a prospect because of his age. Uh, most people kind of look at 23 and under, but I look at it as guys that are still Calder eligible, uh, guys that are, um, you know, usually around 23 or under, uh, and guys that are, are still haven't played a full season in the NHL, which obviously leads to that Calder um, criteria there. So for Flavois, having him, he's my number two prospect. Uh, I think that he was someone I was so excited about watching him in junior mm-hmm. hockey, just like the, the big, the size, the power. Uh, he's a guy that you could throw in a bottom six and be happy with. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, his skating could use some uh, work, his decision-making could use some work. But uh, last year I thought was a pretty good step for him. So I guess what I'm getting at, so you have Raphael Lavoie kind of as a prospect, but then Dylan Holloway doesn't come into this group. Is he, because of what he's played in the NHL, et cetera, a few games? How does that work? Uh, yeah, so that was that was one. I know other places kind of considered him a prospect. I, I didn't last year because, uh, you know, I, I can't remember the exact game mm-hmm. count. I know he played like 51 games or something like that, but to me, no longer Calder eligible, played right. over half the season. That, okay. That's where we're moved from there. Fair. Uh, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas on Sports 1440, Stephen Ellis, prospects analysis for Daily Faceoff. Uh, one um, Oilers prospect that I think intrigues a lot of uh, fans would be uh, Max Wainer out of the Moose Jaw Warriors. Uh, a really late pick in 2021, um, probably, I think you would consider him a late bloomer. Um, where do you see what what kind of research have you done on on Max Weiner? I think the one thing that really hurt his game when he was kind of first going um, through junior hockey was he wasn't a great two way player. Um, I feel like that's not as big of an issue anymore. Uh, he can get a bit nasty, um, but I, I like the way that he really just 
he's way more engaged in the puck play. He's way more engaged in actually getting the puck on his stick and, and trying to make plays happen, where in the past, I remember watching him the very first game I saw him play, and he like it looked like he was just like allergic to the puck. He just kept skating farther and farther away from it. Um, he, he just didn't seem too engaged. But last year, it really looked like a guy that was trying everything he could to make sure that puck was on his stick and trying to win. So that competitive energy uh, really helped. And that's a guy, you know, looking at him as a seventh-round pick easily has outgrown that no question about it so i'm not sure his long-term potential but compared to where he was in his draft year i'm pretty up on him hmm, cool uh one other i wanted to talk about from the 2021 draft was uh, is luca munzenberger uh it's a defenseman uh from germany but he came over to play uh ncaa college hockey at the university of uh, vermont uh, would be a you know a, a kind of a stay-at-home defenseman, probably maybe a little bit of an edge to his game. Um, what could you tell our listeners about uh, a young defenseman, just 20 years old, uh, coming 21 this year, Luca Munzenberger? It's funny. This is a guy that really kind of came on. Uh, when you look at one of the best places that to find prospects really early is HF boards, and one of the reasons why it's German hockey fans were really pushing Munzenberger back in like 2017, 2018. So think about how far it is now. The one thing I was really hoping I'd see from his game is a bit more offensive ability. And he's played two college seasons and still hasn't scored a goal. Mm -hmm. So that really hasn't been it. But you're not bringing him in to to be that. You're bringing him to be a shutdown guy. Uh, You know, he's six foot two, but he plays very physical, uh, blocks shots, he does things like that. So uh, I think that, you know, he's still. It's, I don't know how to say other than I think that he's still on track to continue here, but uh, I'm just I'm not in love with his game because I feel like it's just not enough of a varied game to make it a more uh, exciting prospect in the system right now. Text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. We'll shift gears a little bit with. Uh our guest Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff wants to talk. Uh, our texter wants to talk a little bit about Vancouver, if that's okay with you, Stephen. And um, this comes in from Jeff Edmondson. He's got kind of a couple questions regarding the uh, Vancouver Canucks prospect pool. Uh, Nils Hoga- uh, Hoaglander, pardon me, uh, does he making the jump this year? And then uh, he kind of talks about well, Quinn Hughes named captain in Vancouver, and just the process of a of a young player. Um, really finding his way and now turning into a leader, I guess, in Vancouver. But just touch on Vancouver's prospect pool. With, with Neil Foglander, I thought I liked a little bit of what we saw from him in his, his 25-game stint with the Canucks. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, it's a guy that almost feels like he's gone backwards a little bit. He was he was playing uh, with the team was in 2021 during the COVID shortened year. I uh, played full-time again last year, and then he got sent down to the AHL last year. So you kind of hope he can take that next uh, push-up, kind of like Vasily Podkols. And um, with Hoglander, the skills, just unbelievable puck skills, uh, great hands, unbelievable stick hander, handler, uh, solid skater, maybe not to the, you know, not – overly impressive at the NHL level, but when he was kind of going into the AHL, I thought he looked pretty good there. Um, so I think from the skill, it's there. I think the the decision-making with the puck is not necessarily there. Defensive play is not there. So it's kind of like a he better be scoring or else he's not as valuable type player. And unfortunately, we've seen enough guys like that. But uh, 
you know, he's only 22, so there's no reason to get too worried um, long-term yet at this point. Uh, when it comes to Quinn Hughes, it's kind of funny. I got to spend some time with, with the Hughes family a few years ago um, for a story, and Quinn was always the quietest of the bunch. He was the one. It, it, it shouldn't come to a surprise, I think, for Canucks fans. Mm-hmm. But people listen. He's so smart. Um, I wouldn't be shocked of those three Hughes brothers if at least one or two of them become GMs in the NHL one day. Jack Hughes is just like, he knows everything about every player. Quinn Hughes, exact same thing. So this is a guy that players listen to, teams listen to, uh, and respect so much. So when it came to, to naming a captain, that was definitely not a surprise for me. Our guest is Stephen Ellis, Prospects and Ellis for Daily Faceoff. And uh, you had mentioned uh, Matthew Savoy a little bit earlier when you talked about your top rankings. Uh, Brother Carter, uh, Oilers draft pick in 2020. Um, could you just maybe touch on the Savoy brothers, I guess? I mean, uh, Carter was a second-round draft pick. Uh, pardon me, a fourth-round draft pick, second pick of the Oilers back in 2020, but a little different for brother Matt, who uh, went to Buffalo. Uh, So just maybe touch on the Savoy brothers. Yeah, I guess when you you watch them both play, they kind of have their own different strengths. When you look at Matt Savoy, uh, just a a goal-scoring machine, just puts up points, does everything with the puck. Um, great skater. He's a, a modern-day scoring talent in the NHL, uh, and I can't wait to see him finally make his debut. When it comes to, to Carter Savoy, it's a bit more of a hardworking guy who's, uh, I think he's, the one thing to really describe him is he's just really smart, and talking to some scouts in his draft year, it's just like, he doesn't lose a lot of one-on-one rush battles because he can just read what they're doing just off on the defenseman, what they're doing just from the way they're skating, the way they kind of angle their stick. Um, it's a bit more of a nuanced thing there, but when while watching him play in the AJHL all those years ago mm-hmm. and just seeing how dominant he was, it's like you, you knew something was going to happen. Uh, great numbers at Denver. Uh, a bit of a learning experience last year in, in Bakersfield. If I'm correct, he also dealt with an injury there too. Yeah. Uh, didn't play the full season, but you know he's still very young. He's a guy that uh, is, is more of a middle six player, maybe a third-line guy who's a defensively reliable uh, forward who could play both ends of the ice doesn't have a lot of size but i think his compared to his brother where it's more skilled we're looking more at the hard-working aspect here being his value and i wanted to ask one more about a local kid uh, olin zellweger um so he's a fort saskatchewan we've seen him at the world junior for canada uh, anaheim mighty anaheim ducks draft pick uh, he was uh, in 2021 he's a left-handed shot defenseman kind of quarterback the power play for canada at the world juniors uh for a couple of years, but where do you see his progress moving forward, a uh, young defenseman from Fort Saskatchewan? I think it'll be interesting to see if he can crack the Ducks this year, because if he does, I think he'll be one of the best prospects. They're one of the best rookie defensemen, and this is a very, very deep Calder race. Like I'm putting together a list on my top 20 and having to cut out some pretty valuable guys. It, like That just shows you how good it is, but when it comes to Zellweger, just absolutely just so much fun to watch with the puck. One of my favorite prospects in hockey and at number 34 for Anaheim, I think that was just a thing of COVID just kind of screwing everyone's year up because there was that talent was always on display and he's been able to show it definitely at the international level where, you know, when you look at all the points that Bedard was able to get those past two years and Mason McTavish, well, Zelliger was the one creating a lot of that uh, happening. So um, the Ducks have a very good prospect pool. I think Zellweger is going to be a huge part of that. And it's also good for the Ducks where they had 
the top defenseman in the OHL, WHL, and QMJHL last year. The first time that's ever happened. But with Delwiger, he's the guy that right now I just got to give the edge to. I just think that just with the puck, few defensemen think like he does. And one last one for you, Texter, just comes in. The stair farmer wants to know, ask him about uh, Mueller from Vancouver. He's my cousin's kid. So, I, I'm drawing a blank on his first name here. Uh, me too. That's just the Texter came in. Mueller? Ty Mueller. Ty Mueller? Ty Mueller from Mueller. Vancouver. So this is coming in from the stair farmer. He's my cousin's kid. So do you have anything on that? Ty Mueller off the top of your head, uh, Stephen? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. He went got drafted this year, I believe, um, University of uh, Nebraska-Omaha, I think. Uh, uh, one of the better two-way guys, I think, watching college hockey this year. And if I'm correct, he was an overage player, so he did, it was a little bit of a longer um, reach up to where he got. But uh, just a, a good two-way player. And I think the one thing teams really look for when you get an overage guy or get a guy later in the round is Who's putting the work ethic in? Who's working as hard on the ice? Maybe it's not the skill. Like any guy can go out and put 25 points up in the NCAA in a season, but it's the guy who's generating those chances, who's fighting those chances and play the defensive hockey. And, and that's the one thing I noticed from my few viewings from him last year, that he's a guy that's just working his butt off out there. I'm just checking him out right now at, at um, University of Nebraska, Omaha, and coached by Mike Gabinette, who uh, is from here and is Claire Drake's grandson. So... A uh, little tidbit for you there. So, uh, you know what, Stephen? I'm blown away by the, your amount of preparation, your amount of knowledge uh, of all these prospects. Uh, man, uh, that's a lot of work that you put into this, and you it can it shows. You can tell that you know what you're talking about. So, I uh, wish you all the best, and we're going to have you on again for sure, just to talk about where these prospects are going and who they were, where they are, and and who they can be. So, thanks for coming on, Stephen. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm glad you guys get to be on the air. Edmonton Sports Talk, it's great to see. Oh, good stuff. Thanks a lot. That's uh, Stephen Ellis, prospect analysis for Daily Faceoff. Duke, he's got, I mean, he's got guys that, you know, you haven't even, I haven't heard of, you know, you heard about them, but he's got detailed files, detailed files about these guys. Yeah, like like I said, he he is somebody that I have only really kind of came across a lot of his work in the past calendar year or so and has blown me away, so I was super excited to to get him on the show for everybody here this morning. Definitely uh, somebody uh, that our listeners should check out if you haven't already, both uh, his writings and, and follow mm-hmm. on Twitter and the like. Well, and again, even his analysis, I mean, everyone knows, yeah, the Oilers are lower in the prospect pool because they haven't had the draft picks. They've traded the draft picks away. Uh, you know, they had a guy like Reed Schaefer trade him to uh, Nashville for or uh, Matias Hackholm. So uh, that's how it works. Sometimes you're a little deeper, then you continue to build up that prospect pool, continue to build up your draft picks and your development and things like that. And that's how you continue to have a deeper pool and good success. Uh, so it's just, you're not just having like a one or two year window. You're continuing that on uh, moving forward. We'll have some open text line. You can fire something off to us at 833-401-1440. When we come back after the break, this is the Kevin Carrier show with the Duke Delburn, Brandon Douglas on sports 1440. 943 in the capital region looking for a high of 26, man, great weather this week uh, should be, Nice to get out and do some things, even though hockey season's uh, coming around the corner. Oilers uh, at their charity golf tournament uh, today at the Royal Mayfair. They had a gala event last night. And then this week uh, is a busy time for the Oilers as well. And then this weekend is also a busy time. The Duke of Delburn's uh, 
we were talking about it in the break. So um, Oilers prospects, and I mean that uh, the analysis and with Stephen Ellis is just amazing. Uh, he did touch on the Oilers prospect pool being ranked at twenty five. That's where he has them. Um, but those prospects are going to have a busy weekend. So everyone off to Penticton, uh, Duke, and uh, this has been going on for a long time. They've been going at it for a while. Hopefully, everything's kind of cooled down with all the wildfires in BC been pretty tough in West Kelowna for sure but um, in Penticton they've done it with you know the other teams coming in Vancouver and Calgary in Winnipeg uh, kind of run us down this weekend what's going on I guess for the prospects uh, Duke uh, yeah so the Oilers uh, they send out their little crew of, uh, of prospects and younger players as do the Jets the the Canucks uh, kind of hosting it in Penticton and the Flames and then there is some uh, some other stuff mixed in as well like the Penticton V's and Chilliwack Chiefs play a game in the middle of it all too so starts on Friday I believe I'm looking at the schedule correctly the uh, the Oilers versus the Jets that goes at uh, 5 o'clock mountain time um, if for more information I think you like the full full deal of it I think the Canucks main website has all of it here but the Oilers will play games against the the Jets, Flames, uh, and Canucks, uh, all of them throughout the course of the weekend, Friday through Monday being the last one, Canucks versus Edmonton at 3.30 Mountain Time. So, yeah, chance to kind of see... you know some of these players that uh, that Stephen just mentioned that are kind of looking to not only foray their hockey careers with uh, with the Oilers, but you know secure their spots with the minor league team too. Because uh, the reality of the situation, there's not a lot of jobs up for grabs on the the Oilers main roster this year, and and getting younger players to push some uh, some veterans and guys on PTOs like Gagne and Sutter to just push them to be their best it's that's what uh, you know hockey's all about and getting the chance to see some of these prospects do it at this younger level is awesome and a lot for these younger kids it's a it's a chance it's their first taste of what a, a camp at the pro level is all about and you might not think that it's a big deal in the sense that yeah they've gone to other camps they've been to going to western league camps or ohl or quebec camps or or whatever they're coming from the uh you know, from europe or, or whatever but uh, the Oilers, when they put their staff together to do this camp, whether it be um, the travel, um, how they organize the scrimmages, how they organize the practices, everything they do training off the ice, um, the meals, um, the things that they, they do away from the rink, it's it's a pro experience. And that's what you want to do to your young kids is kind of get them acclimatized to what it's going to be like to turn yourself into a professional hockey player. They've been on this journey for a long time. It's it's crazy now more than ever than years past. These kids are ready. They, they've been doing this for three, four, five years already. They've been accustomed to um, their routines, their coaching, nutrition, um, habits away from the rink. This has been their life to get ready for camps like this. So what this is, is just a reaffirmation and a validation of what they've done so far to get to this level. Now, the process kind of starts here. It's it's almost like day one of the rest of what they're doing and what they want to achieve, what their dreams are, what their hopes are, what they want to do moving forward. But a camp like this in Penticton is a chance for these kids to come together. And not only that, it's a situation where who knows down the road in in two years, three years or whatever, you're meeting teammates that you're going to be with possibly in Bakersfield, possibly in Edmonton down the road. But you are, are already fostering those relationships with other players in the organization where you see them as being 
not only a teammate, but a friend. And when you are on the same page, what happens is then you can say, you know what, remember when we were in Penticton in 2023, that's where we first met. And look at us now. I came from Ontario. You came from Western Canada. We met in Penticton. I didn't know anything about you, but man, we're alike. And we're going to be able to forge something together here that is uh, something special moving forward. And then what happens is that people within the organization, whether it be a coach, assistant coach, it could be a scout, someone, they see that and they go, hey, you know what, there's a connection here. These guys get along. Um, there's something there. They have uh, an ability to meld themselves together. And once you get that, now you have that relationship where you are building something that you can use uh, down the road. Now, the other aspect of camps like this is that the players are exposed to what it's like to be a part of um, the Oilers training team. And I mean, this, the Oilers behind the scenes team is absolutely amazing. Uh, if you got a text at 833-401-1440 to talk about Oilers prospects camp, let us have it. Now you got guys like TD force. You got uh, Jeff Lang, you got Steven line, Seve, you got Brad Harrison. And, and then there's like about 10 other guys that just come together and they, they work around the clock. And now the neat thing about these guys is that they work just as hard and they treat these young guys the same as they treat guys like Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Matthias Ekholm. These are the guys because they want them to experience what it's like to be an uh, um, integral part of the Oilers organization. So uh, kind of a, a neat thing there for these players to experience. Uh, texter comes in from 833-401-1440. The fires have settled down. However, there is a slide on the highway blocking Peachland North from getting to Penticton. Uh, This is the first young stars I'm going to miss, so that's something you guys are going to have to keep an eye on. That comes in from Okanagan Doug. Uh, Interesting text for sure. Fires have settled down. However, there is a slide on the highway blocking Peachland North from getting to Penticton, first young stars I'm going to miss. Uh, I think we're going to have to look into that and see exactly uh, what's going on. Uh, when you look at the Oilers' stable, Duke, and Stephen Ellis from Prospects Analysis Daily Faceoff touched on it, is there is there one younger guy that maybe you want to keep an eye on here at maybe this camp or we're moving forward to, to main camp when it starts? It seems, and I'm not actually sure if he's going to be at this prospects camp or not. I know sometimes they save it for some of the younger, younger guys, and I don't believe they release the full roster of players that will be there. But and it's a bit of an easy answer. But like Xavier Burgo, mm-hmm. um, he, he's obviously a former first round pick, and you want to start to see exactly what he's capable of, right? Is some more consistency, and is he going to be a depth type player, or can he actually, you know, blossom into maybe a legitimate scoring threat at the NHL level? And and, and like I said a few minutes ago, there's really not a bunch of jobs up for grabs on the Oilers roster. This is a team that is uh, in full win now mode, and they've kind of loaded up with a lot of veterans and guys that have been there before and have experience, but moving down the line next season and beyond, you need younger players to step into the lineup for the sake of uh, the salary cap constraints and guys on entry-level deals or, or, or cheaper deals to fill departing free agents and things when they're due raises. So uh, Borgo, is, it's, an, it's a kind of cop-out answer, but I certainly think he's at the top of a lot of uh, Oilers fans uh, viewing, um, must-watch viewing for their prospect pool. That camp will be uh, getting underway this weekend. Um, you know, non-rostered players like, you know, another guy 
people are seem to me be keeping an eye on is Jake Chason. Um, Jake Chason was a draft in 2021, I believe. Yes, 2021. He was a, a fourth round pick under the Brandon Wheat Kings. Um, uh, he's a right winger. Well, he's a bigger body, maybe six foot one, but he's kind of like a, a good two way player. And I think a lot of guys are interested to see where chase on fits and he's missed a lot of games he's um he needs to be healthy he's a, a 20 year old player right now so uh he's born in uh uh 03 so may 25th 2003 is his birth date so i mean what here's a guy that a lot of scouts were kind of maybe high on earlier on when he came into the league he had a decent year in 2019 where he was a younger player but since then he's just hasn't been able to stay um, healthy. Um, Oilers draft class of last year, a lot different too. Um, only three picks in 2023. They never had a first rounder sent uh, that first rounder, which was the first round pick in 2022, Reed Schaefer to Nashville in the uh, Matthias Ekholm deal. But Bo Kay is a defenseman from Barry. was drafted 56th overall in the second round. Nathaniel Day, a sixth round pick, 184 overall from Flint in the OHL. And then Matt Capone, a late pick in uh, round number seven from uh, Merrimack College. So I think would this year would you'd probably be seeing more of the the uh, 2021 draft class. Um, the Duke mentioned Borgo, uh, Munzber- Munzenberger was mentioned by Stephen Ellis. Uh, likes kind of maybe where his career is tracking as a young 20 year old defenseman. Uh, Jake Chason, we just talked about him. Matt V. Petrov, and he was a sixth round pick. Um, a lot of people talking about him in the sense that there's a lot of talent there, maybe not used to his potential all the time. And then the other two picks from 2021 were Shane Lachance and Max Wainer, as we talked about from the Moose Jaw Warriors. So uh, at the top of the hour, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Canada basketball. Uh, Paul Sear will join us. He's in Los Angeles right now. Uh, Paul Sear did an amazing job with basketball Alberta for decades um, and has been critical in getting 3x3 going worldwide he's been um, critical in building basketball in our province and in our country and uh, Paul has a unique perspective on a lot of things that are um, interesting in the sense of uh, his son is was a great player in college one of the top three-point shooting uh, players in NCAA history and that would be uh, Stephen Sir. Uh, who's now the GM of the Edmonton Stingers. And last week we heard news of the Stingers with Reed Clark uh, ending his tenure with the Stingers. So we're going to talk all things basketball with Paul Sir when we come back on Sports 1440, the Kevin Carrier Show. But first off, here is a 1440 sports update with the Duke.